Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. So as we're standing there beside the woman, we're, we're watching this, uh, this lady as she's looking at her kid and, and she sort of got hope and she sort of got disappointment. We can sort of see this in her face. And, uh, and we, we literally watch in that moment as this baby with, uh, with covered over sort of white cloudy milky eyes blinked a couple of times and on the second blink the child opens its eyes and they were crystal clear. Crystal clear irises and fully perfectly beautifully formed eyes. And this baby looked and saw her mama for the first time. There in the midst of larceny and falsehood and fake, we saw the Holy Spirit break through and do an authentic, powerful, transformative miracle. And for us, um, that's, one, that's one of the things that, 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 that keeps us alive. And, and it's one of the reasons we do this series. We do believe because we have seen with our own eyes and we see it in the scriptures that God is still at work in the world, healing and touching uh, precious, broken, beautiful people today and that he longs to do that, and that he wants to do that, and that's his heart. And at the same time, we've seen terrible messes in the midst of it. And so our heart in doing this series, and my trepidation in doing this series, is that I do want to see amazing things happen in this church. I want to see the Lord move in our community in these powerful ways. But I don't want the mess. So when we're doing this, we're taking a fair bit of time at the front end of the series to uh, lay down a solid theological foundation. And what we're going to be doing today is starting with uh, talking about some, some real plumb lines, some things in the scriptures that we can use to measure. Are the things that we're seeing happening uh, an authentic reflection of the power and presence of God in our midst so that we can be a people that can go for the gifts and see them happening and operating in our community but see it happening in a way that actually authentically, powerfully glorifies God and shows forth the coming of his kingdom. Because that's what we want, right? We want the real deal, and that's what we're longing for. And so the series has been sort of unfolding like this, and I guess if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't this series on the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to flow with the Holy Spirit in terms of the schedule as much as I have, because I've adjusted it again, and I'll probably adjust it some more. We are taking this additional week to just spend time on plumb lines, and we might do that again uh, next week. And what I mean when I say plumb lines is a carpenter will measure if a wall is straight and level by uh, something hanging from the top of it to see if there's, uh, it's aligned with what gravity has to say is straight and level, rather than what I feel is straight and level, rather than what I look at is straight and level. So we're going to set plumb lines around these things. And so what we're going to do this week is uh, plumb lines. We might do that again next week and compress discussion of uh, specific gifts a little bit further forward into the series. Uh, once we get to week five after family day, we're going to take a break and do a series on Lent, uh, which is going to be a, a five weeks uh, just living in um, Luke chapter 22, verses 1 to 37. So we're going to do five weeks in that one section of Luke. And those are going to be all the conversations that Jesus had with his disciples around the table as he's preparing them for ministry. Then we jump back into the rest of the series 
Um, and we actually end the series on Pentecost Sunday, which is kind of cool. So hopefully the Lord will blow the doors off and do some great stuff with a safe and wonderful, healthy, trained, equipped, empowered community in that space. That's what we're longing for. Uh, but so we have a couple of questions that lead to our plumb lines as we go on into these next few minutes. And the first uh, question is, uh, why is this relevant? In particular, why is this relevant if I'm here and I'm not even a Christian or I'm not even committed to Christianity yet? Uh, why is this relevant to the people that we want to reach and the people that we want to care for in, in Almont and Carlton Place? Why does, this, why does this matter to them? Is this just some esoteric uh, teaching uh, that's in the New Testament that because we teach the Bible, we have to teach this piece? Uh, what does it actually mean? And I want to bring us to John chapter 14 to begin to answer uh, that question, why I think the spiritual gifts are important for us here as a church on the ground in the community, beyond the fact that we just want to see something real like we talked about in the previous story, because real is really cool. And who doesn't want to see like a little baby open their eyes and, and be, be healed, right? Like, come on, it's, it's fantastic. So John chapter 14 says this, very truly I tell you, and we visited this on the first week, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And so this is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples, uh, talking about the miracles, uh, talking about uh, people's response to the miracles. And Jesus is sort of projecting forward into the future. And he's saying, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do these things that I've been doing. And looking at us in the future, will do even greater things. That's sort of hard to fathom. But it's because he's going to the Father. And so this, just this first thought that I think is really, really important for us is the idea that if we are making the claim, and this is what we do in our apologetic and in our gospel preaching, if we are making the claim that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and that we have some authentic relationship and connection with him uh, here in the present, that if we're living relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, that probably uh, ought to uh, result in us doing the stuff that Jesus did that ought to result in our lives looking a little bit different from the life of the average Joe. Uh, if we have a connection with Jesus who is doing this stuff, and we say we're following him, uh, and he was uh, setting captives free, giving sight to the blind, healing the sick, uh, delivering people, uh, and preaching the gospel that the kingdom of heaven is near, then we probably ought to be doing the same things. And I think it's safe to say that the people in our communities who are looking at the church, uh, even if they're not saying it consciously, and maybe they've heard something about the stories of Jesus in the background, there's probably something that's in them that is saying, or they have a right to say, hey, why aren't we seeing this church look like Jesus? Why does this not look like that? Is it fair for them to make that comparison? Right? Why, if Jesus was this guy and they're connected to him, they know him, they're following, where, where is the Jesus stuff happening? So if they're not seeing the stuff happening, I think it's safe to say they have a right to, to uh, note the disconnection. 
right? And we're not talking just about the miracles, but we're talking about uh, every aspect of Christian living uh, in terms of our moral lives, in terms of our ability to handle suffering, and the whole picture. If Christians aren't living as people who are distinct and different, then it's hard for others to see uh, that he is, is a part of us, that he's among us. And there are people in the community that are looking for something authentic and real. And there's lots of them out there. You just have to go to the Almont Psychic Fair to find them right? Or other places, right? If you talk to people in the culture uh, around you, you know there's people that are looking for something. This is a store in Almont called the, the Spirit, uh, uh, that's the Spirit Almont shop. And I thought that's probably not the Holy Spirit, but it's a spirit. That's a spirit. They should probably rename the store. That's a Spirit Almont shop. Um, yeah, so, uh, and this is just, I was just reading through the testimonials about the shop. I'm not meaning to, to defame the place or anything like that, but um, this is what one person said about it. Undescribable feeling in this store. The smells, the energy, the little items on display everywhere you turn, the flow of people coming and going, everyone looking for something. You can almost hear a hum from everyone's thoughts. I can't wait to come back. This person and other people are looking for the hum. Right? They're looking for a sense of, uh, an authentic sense of presence. And what's being offered them is counterfeits. Right? What's being offered them is counterfeits. What's being offered is, is something that's false, something that's a vibe, something that's a feeling, something that is, uh, uh, is, is not authentically the Spirit of God. And that leads us to our very first plumb line. Um, the, for us, the question when we're looking at the ministry and the works of the Holy Spirit and the stuff that God is doing, this first question that we have to ask is, does it look like, taste like, feel like, sound like Jesus? Is what we are seeing happen, happening out of the presence and power of the person Jesus? Now, there's a question that follows that. How do we know if something is coming uh, out of the, the presence of Jesus? But uh, we want the operation of spiritual gifts in our midst to provide evidence for our connection to the resurrected Jesus, right? We want uh, people to see in our lives that we're connected to the one who created the whole universe. So we expect that to work itself out in miracles and wonders and care and compassion and strong morality and, and all kinds of things like that, character, right? We need all of that to work itself out in that way. So does what we're doing look like what Jesus did? Does it look like him? Does it smell like him? And it uh, leaves us with that next question. How do we know whether a spiritual experience, a spiritual gift, uh, has, God as a, is, has God as its source? Right? How do you know? Um, when I was in Toronto, again, another story from, from back there, I was, ran, we ran a youth conference called Fresh Wind, uh, which was really funny for people in the UK, because wind means something different there. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> The, uh, the, the conference was, was amazing. It was this uh, incredible space where you could have, well, on Friday nights, on the big night, the free night, we would have, you know, have a big band like Delirious in, and you could have 6,400 kids packed into our church where the fire code said uh, 2,200 was our max. And, and the place was just hopping, and B.O. from teenagers like crazy, sweat running down the walls, like pure, disgusting, 
and the presence of Jesus and everybody worshiping their faces off uh, in this incredible way. But part of managing that situation and part of managing that chaos was that you would have every spiritual thing and every spiritual person uh, for miles around that was attracted to that vibe and to that place because something was authentic and beautiful and awesome happening there. And whenever something authentic, beautiful, awesome is happening, uh, it draws the counterfeits into it, right? And so one of the things that I often would have happen, and I I remember maybe this is the third or fourth year uh, I was part of the conference, I had uh, one of my team sort of tap me on the shoulder and said, there's a person who's going around the back and they're prophesying over different people and different youth groups, but we don't know if they're part of our team or not. We were a, a big church. Uh, we didn't, not everybody knew everybody. Um, and so it was like, okay, I got to get up from my seat and go see, is this the flavor of the month prophet or is this one of our people who's authentically caring for people, right? And so I got called to the back and, uh, and went to, to see this person. This person was there and praying for, for a specific youth group and, and giving words. And, and I'm sort of listening in for a little bit. And it just kind of doesn't feel right. And so I sort of step into the middle of the circle where this person is. And I ask this question, is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? And the person said, Jesus is Lord. And I said, is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? And they hit the floor like a sack of potatoes and began manifesting a demon. They've been prophesying and praying for people and trying to care for them. And all of a sudden they're frothing at the mouth and green slime is coming, just like the movies. And, there's, and I know it's a crazy, freaky story, but it's a story that lots of pastors uh, will be able to tell you that in, in some moments of ministry, you encounter things like this. The person was not ministering and caring and doing the works of Jesus in the spirit of Jesus. They were doing things that looked kind of like Jesus, kind of Jesus-ish in the spirit of the enemy. And we prayed for the person and picked them off the floor and I handed it off to the team to pray for them and care for them. And I went back up to the front and led the rest of the meeting. And on with business. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that happened a lot. But the question that unplugged the whole deal was this question, uh, is Jesus your Lord? And this is what we see in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Uh, verse 2 talks about people having come from different sort of pagan backgrounds. And verse 3 says this, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the same Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit. No one can evidence that Jesus uh, is actually their Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is uh, the Savior of my life. Jesus is a sovereign King person to whom I live my life submitted. Except by the Spirit of God. The real gifts always lead 
to a person's personal declaration that Jesus is their Lord, that Jesus is their Savior, that Jesus is a person who is holy and mighty to whom they are submitted. And we see this uh, elsewhere in, in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 10, 33 to 34. Uh, there's people, the disciples, uh, he's teaching them, um, and he's sort of describing a situation where people could come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And then he says to them plainly, away from me. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So you can have something that looks like a miracle and something that smells like a miracle and language that sounds like the lordship of Jesus and not have the lordship of Jesus at the center of it and not have an authentic, powerful uh, relationship with Jesus at the core of what it is. That's what we saw in Africa. That's what I saw on the floor at TACF. So we can't look towards the gifts or their outworking as a validation of our faith. You can't go to God, uh, to the gates of heaven, and say, hey, guess what? I did some miracles, so can I come in? The question is always going to be, do you have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord? And we see all the time in the church, we see all the time in sort of charismatic spaces, uh, lots of spaces where I've been where uh, we hold up our gifts and our abilities, our spiritual gifts and the things that we think we're able to do and the miracles that we've seen as something that sort of validates us and gives us a voice, gives us a reason to speak, a reason to feel good about ourselves. But the thing that validates us isn't the miracle in any way. The thing that validates us as people before God is are we submitted uh, to him? Is he our Lord? We can only stand on knowing who we are in relationship with Jesus. And we see this in Paul as well. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. Kyrios Jesus. Jesus is Lord. When you are saying Jesus is Lord, you are saying not only is he is your Lord and Savior like you raised your hand at a Billy Graham crusade, you are saying that other things aren't Lord. You're saying that the enemy isn't your Lord. You're saying that uh, Justin Trudeau isn't your Lord. You're saying that Trump isn't your Lord. You're saying that the government isn't your Lord. You're saying your hockey coach and your teachers are not your Lord. You're saying Jesus is your Lord. Jesus is your Lord. He is the one who says what is going to happen with your life. You are submitted uh, to him. And your gifts are submitted to him. And they come from him. It's a confessional thing. It's a, a faith thing. It's a thing that is deeply rooted. And this, this phrase, uh, Jesus is Lord, appears again and again in the text in the New Testament as part of the confession that's given to the church. We are a people who declare that we are not under our own authority. Our spiritual gifts aren't under our authority. We exist under the authority of God. And what that meant for Christians and what they understood in that time, the words of Jesus echoed in their hearts saying, whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. And 
what that meant for Christians in that day and time was when they said Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not, it meant persecution, it meant pain, it meant being tied to crosses and lit as torches, it meant being pulled apart, it meant being whipped, it meant being fed to the lions. Is at the heart of your Christianity uh, this thought, does Jesus have the space and the place and his word to tell me what to do with my life? The plumb line is, does it validate the lordship of Jesus, of Christ, of Jesus Christ more than it validates us? We're seeing spiritual gifts. We're seeing miracles. We're longing to see uh, the release of these things. We're longing to see healings in our midst. But are they going to validate the lordship of Jesus more than they validate me? Come on. Come on. This can't be about you and it can't be about me. Everything has to point to the person of Jesus. That's why when we pray, we pray in his name. It has to point to him. We have to. We want the operation of our gifts in our midst to be under the lordship of him in every way. And that's a trap for us because how many of you know if you're honest, you're the one who really wants the validation. You're the really one who wants your identity secure in your gifts. We're the ones who feel envy and competition and, oh, man, that person's better than me. Oh, man, I don't fit in this body quite right. Uh, man, my gifts aren't kind of recognized. I, I don't feel quite like I belong, like nobody hears me. Uh, nobody sees my personality that I could really help in this situation. How do I fit? How do I belong? And we look towards our gifts the same way as we do in our workplaces. We look towards what we contribute to our companies as the thing that validates us and gives us a place and gives us a voice but it absolutely has to be our submission to Jesus and our willingness for his voice to flow through ours to be the thing that gives us place. So in our desire for validation, how do we avoid ambition, comparison, and jealousy? How do we avoid that? How do we stay away from it? Jake alluded to it really beautifully in last week's sermon when he held up uh, two uh, verses that seemingly... Uh, looked like they were sort of in conflict with one another. You remember this from last week, if you were here, if you weren't, go get the tape. It's one of Jake's best messages. Uh, God uh, is in charge of who gets the gifts. And so there's this question, um, this, this idea that we should be satisfied, right? If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. If you're in home church last week, you maybe examined this a little bit. Um, so God pours out the gifts. So that's one of the things that uh, helps us understand that the gifts aren't meant to validate us because we are in no way in charge of what gifts we have even, right? Those gifts are sovereignly assigned and given by the Lord. But we read a little further on and you see in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, uh, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Well, how does that work? God sovereignly assigned the gifts, and you get what you get, and you don't get upset. Anybody tell that to your kids at the dinner table? <laughs> right? You get what you get, and you don't get upset. God sovereignly assigned the gifts, earnestly desire more. How do we reconcile these two things? How do they make sense? How did Paul put those two things in the same uh, passage of 1 Corinthians? 
And the key to that is the, the, the uh, pronouns uh, who, in terms of who he's actually talking to. Uh, in this first one, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Paul is talking to the individuals and saying, hey, each of you, you individually receive these gifts. He takes a gift and he gives this one to you. He takes this gift and he gives this one to you. He takes this gift and he gives this one to you. So you need to understand that the thing that the Lord has given to you is the thing that the Lord has given to you as an individual, as a person. And then we go down to the second uh, passage, 1 Corinthians 12, and we read in front of it a little bit, and it reads like this, now you, and that you is a different word in the Greek, it means you together, it says you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So you're a part of something, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helping, and guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing. He's saying, hey, there's a whole bunch of you, all of you with different things. You don't all have all of them. Uh, you need some people who have the parts that you don't have. And he closes it up like this. Uh, do you all interpret now all y'all together, and that's what it says in the Greek, all of you together eagerly desire the greater gifts. So individually, you have received a gift. You have received gifts apportioned to you sovereignly by God. Now all of you all together you body eagerly desire greater gifts. So when you're desiring gifts that you don't have, which you're called to do, I'm passionate, I don't have this gift, I'm passionately desiring that we have this gift. So God, send somebody into the body who has it or give it to somebody else. I'm confident and comfortable in what I have. I'm secure in what I have. I don't need to have what everybody else has. I'm eagerly desiring a gift to be poured out in Mark. I'm eagerly desiring gifts to be poured out in Linda. I'm eagerly desiring gifts to be poured out in Jeff. I'm eagerly desiring gifts to be poured out in Abby. I'm eagerly desiring gifts to be poured out in this person, that person, and the people who aren't yet sitting in our seats who don't yet know us. Eagerly desire the greater gifts, and that word greater isn't eagerly desire the bigger, stronger, higher-ranked gifts. That word greater actually in the Greek refers to the broader, the wider. So eagerly desire the wider gifts, eagerly desire the diversity of gifts, eagerly desire that the church has the whole spectrum of gifts operating in it. So passionately desire it, but don't read this text as an individual, read this text as a part of the body. And all of a sudden it makes sense. These two things that are seemingly contradictory make perfect sense when you are cheering on the people in your seats that don't have the gifts that you have. Because we've seen in the church time and time again tension between the gifts that's tearing the body of Christ apart. Because we look at everybody else's value and we tend to see the value of other people through the lens of who I am. And who I am and the gifts I have, those are the gifts that are good gifts. And man, if they, that person doesn't have them, then there's got to be something wrong with them, right? Uh, let's, let's put it on the pastor, right? You guys have a list, I'm sure some of you, a list of 10 things I suck at, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, man, he is not good at 
that. Like, like when I talk with him after church at the end and we're having a conversation, for some reason his eye is always looking over my shoulder. He is hardly even present to me. He's seeing all of these people over here and it drives me nuts. How many of you have experienced a distracted me at church? Right? Come on. Yeah, raise your hand. Come on. There are people in the community that have an incredible uh, gift of seeing people and looking in the eyes, incredible, strong, and I think I'm fairly emotional intelligent. I think I'm an okay pastor, but there are people that have that gift that's operating like way up here, right? And so they're able to look in your eyes and they're interested in every detail of your story and know what's going on and really care. I don't care. No, I'm, totally, I'm, not, I'm totally kidding. I do. <laughs> they're, they're interested in all of those details of your lives, and they're so curious, and they want to know. But my shepherding gift is like, there's lost sheep, and that one went out the door, and I don't know how they're doing. And I just saw them go out the door over your shoulder, and my heart goes to them. Because I have maybe more of an evangelist gifting or, or, or something else that's operating in, in me that doesn't operate the same way as a Matt can operate. Like when you have a conversation with Matt, you actually believe he cares about you. Like he's pretty great. <laughs> and in the body, there could be all kinds of challenge with that, right? Like there could be some of you that would say, I like that guy a heck of a lot better than I like the guy who's got the mic today. Like, that's the point, Matt, as pastor, because Aaron is really biting at this, right? <laughs> right? Oh, I love you, man. <laughs> and this is what we talk about, like, in terms of Matt and I and our relationship and our friendships, and this is what needs to be talked about in the body, is that we need to have a high value on, on people with a diversity of gifts and gifts that are different than mine. I highly, highly, highly value Matt. Because he can do things that I absolutely just don't do that well. We have to be filling our flat, our flat spots. We have to be uh, looking at, at creating a representation of the body of Christ that has all of the aspects of the character of Christ. But boy, you'd better not be looking for all of it in me as a pastor because I just don't have it. Please, nobody give me a piece of paper. Ever in church and expect me to get it to somebody else. <laughs> you guys know this. Those of you who know me, don't hand me paper because it has no hold on my mind at all. I am not gifted with detailed administration. I do not have that gift. Somebody else has that gift, but it sure isn't me. So if you ever have a piece of paper and you think Aaron can get that to the right person because he knows everybody, it's the devil lying to you. <laughs> I don't have it. And that's the way it's really meant to be. I have to be eagerly desiring uh, people with gifts and abilities and talents that I don't have to be rising up in the body and doing the things that God is calling them to do. And that's what the series is about. So our plumb line uh, really is do the gifts lead us to a cheerful interdependence? Not dependence, not independence, but interdependence. We have to be uh, relying on one another and loving one another, acknowledging our weaknesses, acknowledging our brokennesses. 
and allowing the people who have the strength and ability to carry things that we can't carry uh, rise up and do the things that they do best. That's always a challenge for us as a church because we don't know what gifts everybody has. We don't know what everybody can do. Uh, we don't know what talents there are out there. We have endless needs in terms of things that we need to see happen. We have all kinds of areas that need leadership, but we, we're just getting to know one another, to know how people can rise up and do the things that they're called to do. And so that's part of our prayer, is that the gifts would rise up in our body to build up the body of Christ, that we could just simply represent uh, a submitted, under the Lordship community of believers who can follow Jesus and represent him to the world around us. That's what we're all about. And so we'll welcome you uh, to come with your gifts. Welcome you to come and fill the flat spots of the pastor in a kindly and cheerful uh, way without taking me out at the knees and, and stoning me when I get it wrong and all that kind of stuff. That'd be great. You know, I feel watched all the time, right? Right? I am. I know. Right? We feel watched. I have dreams that when I'm asleep, I dream that I, I, somebody is taking a picture of me that's going to be on Instagram. And so when I sort of drift into <laughs> consciousness, sometimes I am like, is, am I looking like, is my, is my foot, should it be out under the covers or should it be in under the covers? Like, what's this going to look like? Right? Because I'm neurotic and I feel like, so don't look at me anymore. Like, I should be able to do everything because I can't. <laughs> yeah. But let the whole body rise up. That's the desire. That's the passion. And we'll figure out how to do this all together. Please, let's just stand. Let's, let's put an end to this and have some bacon. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.